Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show, giving you weekly sports analysis, opinions, and discussion. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Jay Raff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 169th episode of the Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and alongside me tonight is not co-host Jay Raff. He's uh, trying to get a little healthier here uh, this weekend. He hasn't been feeling good, so uh, we wish him well. But joining me this evening, we'll be um, back for um, probably the third or fourth time now, and and second as a as an actual host uh, is my dad, Bill. Hey, good good evening, everybody, and hopefully I'll do such a good job. We can just write off the other guy, and uh, it can be the Joe Mays and the W Mays show. Oh, that is that the, that's the goal. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see about that. But um, we won't be talking much Eagles if I. Oh, that that's the reason that you came on after last week's show. You wanted to make sure that we didn't repeat that. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Last week we talked pretty much all Eagles the entire time. We talked a little bit of college basketball at the beginning, updating everyone on our bracket challenge, which we're going to do again this week. But then we talked about the uh, NFL offseason and primarily what's been going on with the Eagles because of how active they've been and the controversy surrounding Chip Kelly's moves um, with LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson last year, Jeremy Macklin not being brought back and guys that they brought in, maybe his uh, reasoning not exactly matching up. But that was covered exclusively last week with uh, Justin. So this week we're going to kind of just bounce around a little bit, uh, start with the basketball, probably end up talking about a lot of football touch a little bit maybe on the Phillies and baseball, and I have a couple things that we could possibly touch on following the uh, NFL draft, which is uh, about a month away. So, um, you know, football alive and well on the show as always. So we'll definitely be talking um, that uh, as often as possible. So before we move on to um, giving you an update on our tournament challenge, the ESPN uh, bracket challenge for our college basketball uh, with a game that's actually going on right now between Duke and Gonzaga, uh, that will be the last team to make the Final Four will be the winner of that game. Uh, but before we do the college basketball, I do want to let everyone know that this is an interactive show. Um, we love to hear from our listeners. Um, one of the most active listeners is here tonight, so I don't know if we'll have any um, people calling, texting, emailing, or whatnot, uh, but there are multiple ways you can contact the show. And if you're watching us on Ustream, I have uh, the uh, contact information up on the screen uh, one of the, the most interesting ways to do so is by calling the May Sandwich Shop hotline. And you can do that by dialing 530-563-6297. Again, the May Sandwich Shop hotline is 530-563-6297. That'll get you on the show live. Um, one of the easier ways for us is to do it through the May Sandwich Shop email inbox. And you can send email to jomaysandjraff at gmail.com. Again, Joe Mays and JRAF at gmail.com. We also have social media presence primarily on Facebook and Twitter. You can like our fan page at Facebook and follow us at Joe Mays and JRAF on Twitter. So the basketball, again, going on right now is Gonzaga Duke. That's the last um, Elite Eight matchup going on. The winner of that will advance to the Final Four. And the winner of Duke Gonzaga will be joining Kentucky and Wisconsin. And the winner will play 
uh, Michigan State, who beat Louisville today. Uh, so Tom Izzo, again, taking his Michigan State Spartans to the Final Four. Um, moving right along, the Spartans were a seven seed this year, and now they're playing in the Final Four. Um, Louisville was a four that they beat. Uh, Duke and Gonzaga are um, one and two. Duke and Gonzaga are the one and two seeds, so they're battling out right now. And we know on the other side of the bracket, Wisconsin and Kentucky were, are both ones. So it's kind of expected pretty much all through out, um, at least getting it this far, not really many surprises. Uh, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Duke, all ones. Gonzaga, too. So whoever wins there, not a real shock. Michigan State, as a seven, a bit of a surprise. But knowing Tom Izzo and Michigan State's history in the tournament, I guess we shouldn't be too shocked about them making it this far. So um, I think last I knew, right before the show started, Duke was down by two to Gonzaga uh, with about 15 minutes to play. But I know they've been rolling on. Um, but if they play the game at all, like the Michigan State Louisville game, the final 90 seconds, I believe, took like 45 minutes to play. Uh, so it's a uh, basketball sometimes can be drawn out. Um, so quickly touch on the tournament challenge, the bracket update. Again, we had about 30, 30 brackets entered in our tournament challenge. And I'll bring that up on the screen for those of you watching. You can follow along here uh, where maybe where you stand. So up in first place, just like last week, I believe near the top was um, was Steph Mays. Uh, she is number one all alone with a total of 820 points. Unfortunately for her, she had Villanova winning the the tournament, so she's not going to get the maximum number of points that she could have. She more than likely will not end up winning the tournament because there's plenty of people that have their champion remaining, including um, kind of our control, the chalk picks that we do every year, where every um, the top seed wins every single game, which obviously would mean Kentucky would be the champion. They're still alive. So the control bracket is there in second place. Then there's a multi-way tie here in third uh, amongst a lot of people familiar with the show, including uh, Rich from New England, your brother, um, Ryan, who won last year, then your fantasy football um, coach in, your, uh, in our fantasy football league, uh, your nephew, Todd. Then there's me tied for third with my second bracket. And then your other nephew, Matt, all tied for third. So there's a lot of people on there. We all have 800 points, and all of us still have our champion alive. There's two with Wisconsin. That would be Rich and Matt. Two with Kentucky, Todd and me. And then uh, last year's winner, Ryan, has Duke. So this is a big game for him. Uh, looks like um, j Raff's wife is uh, in ninth place. She's holding on strong. Uh, Justin's mom is in 13th. Justin's in 14th, so he's losing to both his <laughs> wife and his mother. So I'm sure he doesn't feel good about that. Uh, and then, but you're way down here at 19th. I know. Both I of them. I didn't do good at all. <laughs> I can hope for a couple points with the Duke game if uh, if Gonzaga wins. Yeah, so that game is going on. We'll try to keep you updated with that. I do want to point out that our basketball analyst, Adam, is down at 23rd. So, you know, one of the reasons my number one bracket is way down at 27th is because I listened to him when he talked and kind of hyped up <laughs> Iowa State. Well, you see what happens when I listen to this so-called expert that we have here giving us information. Yeah, we were already down there. Now, you're in 19th, but um, uh, Pastor Jeff is also down at 25. So, you know, a couple of years ago, you guys won it and came and joined us on the show. This year, 
You guys are struggling a little bit. I, I have Kentucky, but there's too many people ahead of me that have that. So at least I can move up and not uh, hopefully stay as low as I am. Yeah, so um, that's kind of update on our bracket challenge. Again, unfortunately, my daughter, the, the two-year-old that filled out the bracket and was winning after the first few games, um, Duke beating Utah the other night, that was kind of the dagger. That sealed it. So Natalie will finish in last place. But I'm sure she'll come back stronger than ever next year. Uh, but, again, uh, uh, my aunt Steph is in first place for the time being. Our control is in second, the chalk picks. But then a whole bunch of people in third vying for that top spot. And there are a couple people lower down, especially um, Jamie, um, who has Duke and a lot of points left to go. Uh, I don't think she can win because I think if Duke wins, uh, Ryan will win again. But Jamie could see a big jump uh, should Duke win. And actually also Cheryl, who also has Duke. So Duke wins will propel a lot of people into the top five. Uh, so m- definitely make it interesting. Um, but we, we thank everyone again this year for playing our tournament challenge. It's one of the, the probably the most interactive things we do all year. Get a lot of people involved. Uh, with the show and uh, we thank everyone for joining and hopefully we can make it bigger and better next year. Maybe one of these years actually give something away other than a chance to appear on the show um, and, and talk about a sports topic. So before we start and, you know, anything with us, we do have a caller already on the line. So I, I want to welcome in our caller. Uh, who, who's joining us this evening? Uh, you should have uh, J-Rap, maybe to better explain it to the uh, the co-host. <laughs> I am the DeMarco Murray to the Darren McFadden that is taking my spot. <laughs> All right. So for those of you unaware, that is actually co-host J-Rap on the line. Um, I, I hope you, that you're recovered enough that you're able to dial the phone this evening. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was a little rough, um, but today is a little bit better, but still uh Unable, unable to make the show. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure co-host uh, uh, Bill will will do a fine job. Um, you know, probably about 500. You know, <laughs> playoffs, not much damage. I'm sure but, what prompted your call was the beginning barrage where you just kind of berated us for talking <laughs> Eagles last week. So I'm sure that's why you're calling that, us that right now. That was it. That was it. Um, you know, I I did have I I was interested. You know, the March Madness. I kind of find it. Interesting. I mean, the Big Ten gets more, at least before this year, I feel like they got an, a lot of respect in basketball. But even when it comes time to it, you know, I think people discount them a little bit. And yet two of the four final four teams are Big Ten teams. Um, and yet, you know, you could end up with a rematch of the Big Ten championship game in the national championship game. Now, I don't think that's likely. Um, you know, that would mean Michigan State as a seven would have to be Duke or Gonzaga and Wisconsin would have to upset Kentucky. But, I mean, I, I know that's not what the TV execs or anyone, you know, kind of wants to see, but um, I, I think it would be funny if we ended up with the rematch of the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I, I saw someone mentioning, I'm sure it was a Michigan State grad, saying how great of a run uh, Michigan State is having in sports over the last three or four years. I think multiple trips to the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, back or a couple trips to the final four, it's just uh, Michigan state athletics has been quite strong, but I do think right. you hit a, a, on a topic that big 10 doesn't seem to get enough credit, you know, and obviously we're all biased. All three right. of us here, we're all huge Penn state fans. So even though the big 10 hasn't been always keen about us being around and has treated us harshly over the last few years, we still end up going back to, you know, conference pride. And I think all of us want to see the big 10 survive because it just, helps seeing your big rivals do better because then it, it's sweeter when you beat them. It also helps build up your reputation. Right. 
I think what hurts Big Ten in basketball and in football so much is that the weak teams tend to be really weak. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of hurts. Not that, you know, you have contenders the whole way through for, you know, like the ACC or the SEC or anything like that. But, you know, I just think it's a different perception of some of the Big Ten schools uh, when it comes to football and basketball. All right. Well, have have a good show. I'll I'll be watching. Um, But uh, I'll be making sure my Eagles don't get trashed too much. (laughs) If if your replacement says anything that you don't agree with, please feel free to uh, text us. Hope you feel I'll, I'll hope you I'll feel better. Yeah, Thanks. we we hope Thanks. you feel better and uh, we'll we'll see you uh, Saturday when you join us for the next show. We'll do our baseball preview with you next week. I'm looking forward to it, even though we have to talk silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could be interesting. All right. Thanks for calling, J Rap. All right, thanks. Thank you. Bye. All right. So that was J Rap joining us on the May Sandwich Shop Hotline. Talk a little bit of basketball, talk big ten, and that was a great point that he brings up seeing Wisconsin and Michigan State both in the Final Four, two Big Ten teams. Uh, Wisconsin is returning not only to the Final Four, but to a rematch that they had last year. Wisconsin-Kentucky was uh, the Final Four game as well. So um, Big Ten getting it done. I, I do think I, – I, well, I'm a, I like Tom Ezio. I have no problem with Michigan State. It's cool to see a seven seed there. It would have been also cool to see Louisville advance with the potential to make a Louisville-Kentucky in the championship game. That would – that Kentucky would might have imploded over that because that is a huge rival. I know it doesn't get as much national claim to fame as a lot of other – and I'm not just talking college basketball. I'm talking rivalries in sports world in general, pro or, or college. But Kentucky-Louisville basketball is probably one of the nastiest rivalries there there is. <laughs> So to have that play out in the championship game, that would have been interesting. Uh, but I do I like seeing the Big Ten teams in. And Duke and Zog is another one. It's a difficult one for me because Penn State's never had a very strong men's basketball program, at least while I've been growing up. Um, you know, while I was growing up in high school and attending college there, a few years ago, about five, six years ago, they won the NIT. But it's not the big dance. It's not March Madness. Uh, I think in 2001, when I was a sophomore in high school, they upset North Carolina and made a Sweet 16. That was amazing. But since then, what have they done? So you always kind of come up with a couple other teams just to keep it interesting that you root for. One of mine was always Syracuse. I don't really know why, um, but I, I attended a game um, the year that they ended up winning the national title. It was the uh, 2 season with Carmelo Anthony as a freshman. I went to a game there where they came back and beat Pittsburgh. I've talked about it multiple times. So Syracuse was always a team that I pulled for as well. Now, I'm a little frosty with Jim Beheim ever since the Paterno thing. Um, so, you know, Syracuse also has have their own issues going on and they're not in the tournament this year or probably for the foreseeable future. But there's also one other team that I always I just like. And it, maybe it comes down to their coach. Maybe it comes down to the play style. I don't really know. But I think you're in agreement and you know what I'm going to say. I've always liked Duke. Yeah. And I know there's people people hate Duke. They absolutely d- hate them. And I, I don't know if it's another one of those things that they think there's an arrogance because they're it's a good academic school. It's a good athletic school. You put them together. A lot of times you get a lot of jealousy. Um, I don't know why you would ever not like Coach Krzyzewski. I think he's one of the most genuine and classy guys, classy guys that there is in the sports world. So I, I don't get the Duke hate unless you're, you know, a North Carolina, North Carolina State, previously Maryland. Like if you're one of those fans of the rivals, okay, I understand that. But if you're not a fan of one of the, the, their rivals, why do you hate Duke? I never really understood I, it. It's a winner. I, I guess so. I yeah, figure, people so. get jealous of winners. I, I guess I, I guess that's what it is. This is for your partner's sake. That's why the people don't like the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Now, right, last couple, you know, last 10 years or so, 
Okay, but I mean, uh, they didn't. They don't like the Cowboys because now, it's a winner. We'll, we'll wait for him to respond to that. <laughs> he, he is talking through text about Duke, and he completely agrees with our right. sentiments. I, I know he's a fan of of Coach K and Duke, you know, and probably for the same reasons we are. Penn State was never that great at basketball. You got to latch on to make it interesting to someone. And mine was always Syracuse first, but I always I always liked Duke. Um, but I also was always a fan of Gonzaga too. Why? Because you know, now okay. Justin brought this up yesterday when we were driving to the Phillies 5K. It was, I think, in 1999. It was like 16 years ago that they made that they made it into the. I don't know if it was a Sweet 16 or farther, but they kind of burst onto this scene then, and everyone kind of rode with them for a while. Well, here they are this year in the Elite Eight facing Duke. Um, so I'm probably pulling for Duke just because, in the grand scheme of things, I want Coach K to do well. I want to see him in the Final Four with the chance to make the national title game again. Uh, but I think any way that it plays out, the CBS and the NCAA and college basketball wins because these matchups are incredible. Yeah. Um, Kentucky against Wisconsin, two number ones, great rematch from last year. Then, like we already mentioned, the Louisville-Michigan State, that was a great game. One of the overtime storylines with Tom Izzo could have been great storylines with Louisville going to possibly meet Kentucky in the final. Duke, a team that everyone loves or everyone hates, a class program playing an upstart, and now I know it's been almost, you know, we're working close to two decades now that they've kind of burst onto the scene, but it's a team that everyone associates with March Madness, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. Yep. So to have both those teams left and to have a Final Four made up of, of whatever combination it ends up being, uh, I think bas- college basketball won this year, and I did see that the Kentucky-Notre Dame game was the most watched college basketball game in cable TV history. Oh, really? So they're definitely putting up the numbers. Do you have anything else to add to the college basketball before we move on to uh, whatever else we're going to talk about tonight? It kind of is all up in the air. We have no real uh, direction. We're just kind of throw together and see what sticks. Um, To update you on the basketball, um, there's about five minutes to play in the second. Uh, I have no idea how up-to-date the scoreboard is, but 543 left in the second, according to ESPN. Duke leads Gonzaga by two, 53-51. So, it looks like it's going to be another close game, another exciting finish. Um, so if you, you're near a TV, turn on CBS, and I definitely pay attention to that one with a trip to the, the uh, Final Four on the line. Uh, it should be should be a good one. Yeah, I just, like you said, Duke, uh, class team, and also I love the coach. So, so you have, to, like you said, you have to pick somebody to really like over the years, and that's you know, I always liked Duke. Absolutely. Completely agree. So, um, all right, moving away from the basketball really quickly, we're going to talk a little football to, to round out the show here the last 10 minutes. But first, we'll, I'm going to touch on a couple of Phillies things that came out recently. I know Justin and I are going to do our full baseball preview and, and spend most of the time next week talking Phillies. But um, this evening, a couple of things came out about the, the Philadelphia baseball team, and that is uh, Cole Hamels, surprise, surprise, is named the opening day starter. I know that should surprise no one with Cliffley injured and pretty much no one else left in the starting rotation. Uh, Cole Hamels is going to be the opening day. And it looks like their number two is going to be Aaron Harang, who has also been dealing with injuries to start the year. Um, but they don't have anything solidified behind that. Um, but it looks like David Buchanan and Jerome Williams will be some order, the three and the four. And then number five starter is still being decided between uh, Sean O'Sullivan and Kevin Slowey. Um, if you're sitting here listening, are you talking about the same Phillies team 
that we've been watching the last, you know, six, seven years? No, I'm not, because it's a completely different Phillies team. You probably don't recognize any of those names except maybe Cole Hamels, uh, you know, especially if you're just a, a fan that bounces around and watches him in the summer. Um, you know, Aaron Harang is a name that I'm familiar with. He's been in the league for a long time. Uh, you should be familiar with David Buchanan if you were watching the Phillies last year, but Jerome Williams, Sean O'Sullivan, Kevin Slowey. The only other one on the list that you probably have heard of before, Chad Billingsley, he's still working his way back. He's recovering from pretty much two years of lost time because of injuries, but he's a local guy. He lives in the area, so the Phillies gave him a shot after some injuries. He was with the Dodgers when the Phillies were battling the Dodgers in the playoffs all those years. Billingsley was one of their guys. Um, he had two uh, right elbow surgeries. Now he's in the Phillies organization trying to make the roster, trying to make an impact, um, but his wife is from the area. They live here. Uh, they do actually, the Billingsley do a lot of work with the Animal Rescue League. Uh, so he's one guy that I know that my family is pulling for, hoping that he can do something to resurrect his career here. Um, and then, hey, maybe he'll be a trade chip come the deadline or they could sell, sign him to a couple year deal at the end of the year if everything goes well. But Cole Hamels is your opening day starter. Are you surprised by that? <laughs> no. Because did you recognize any of those <laughs> no, other names? I didn't recognize yeah. any of them. Exactly. So Justin and I will talk more about pitching in Phillies next week. Um, but the other thing that was mentioned by manager Ryan Sandberg today is the Phillies outfield is take, taking shape now. And uh, Ben Revere will be moving from center field to left field. And Anubal Herrera will be in center field. You probably have no idea who that is either because I'm very unfamiliar with him as well. Uh, but to start the season, Revere will be in left. Herrera will be in center. He's a, Herrera is a rule five draft pick um, that the Phillies have to keep on their, their active roster their 25-man uh, roster, or he gets returned to the team that they post him from. Uh, so, you know, it's another going to be another interesting year. Um, obviously, in right field is going to be Dominic Brown. That's where he'll be playing. Um, but you've heard of Ben Revere. We know Dominic, Dominic Brown, but uh, Odubel Herrera, probably not familiar. Um, you know, we're not even going to touch on infield because um, those guys you're probably familiar with, at least on the right side, where Ryan Howard will be probably in the platoon starting at first, Chase Utley's at second, Ruiz will be the catcher. Um, we know Hamill's a starting pitcher, um, but shortstop will have a new guy this year with uh, Jimmy Rollins sent packing. Um, uh, we, we think we'll see some of Darren Ruff this year. Uh, he'll probably stick with the big league team, but I don't know if Cody Ashley will stick at third base. Uh, shortstop you think maybe would be Freddie Galvis, but they've been playing all kinds of different people throughout spring, which is, that's the time to do it. You don't want to have to do it in the regular season. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say as I draw this out is the Phillies are going to be god-awful this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll be ready for football by Memorial Day already. <laughs> yeah, you know, open, opening uh, night is, I believe, a week from today is opening night, and then opening day is a week from tomorrow. Um, but I, I don't know if it would surprise me if the Phillies didn't finish in last place. So, um, and I'm not sure I necessarily meant in the NL East. I might mean in all Over, of baseball. All baseball. Uh, but, hey, the best way to build in baseball is is through the draft. You can get price yourself out of free agents. You don't always want to do trades, which, you know, it helped me a little bit in the short term. But now the, the Phillies farm system is a little there. They need to start um, uh, stocking that up again. And uh, there, there's some there's – some, prospects down there that are interesting but they're nowhere near where they were in the late 90s early 2000s which led to you know this incredible period from 2007 through uh 2011 uh that saw them make uh, five straight postseasons um win five straight division titles win a world series go back again a year later uh so 
Right. Well, hopefully before you and Justin <laughs> uh, leave this good earth, you'll win another World Series. Yeah, good Lord. We've got two in 150 I don't know about Pastor Jeff and me. I don't know if we'll be around to see it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. There's there's a long way for the Phillies uh, organization to go to get back to prominence, but that's pretty much expected now. I mean, we said as, as the teams were going on and, and I moved back here and we got to see the tail end of it together, when it was 2010 and they amassed that pitching and they got pushed out um, – much earlier than anyone thought it, we started saying, well, they got a couple more years. Well, they got back in 2011 and lost in the first round, and then they didn't make it back in 2012, and it's just been falling off the cliff ever since. And, you know, listen to Justin and I, we were all very positive and overestimated them for, for years. I don't think we're going to do that this year. I, I don't expect that to happen. I think when Justin or I and I are on here next Saturday, I believe we're both going to have the same outlook and, and have a pretty grim expectations for the 2015 <laughs> Phillies. All right, before we talk a little bit of football here the last few minutes, um, Justin did text in a little bit about uh, Duke and basketball, um, but he, he, he just mentioned your Cowboys comment. He said, I can't uh-huh. really complain, complain about the Cowboys comment because back in the day, the Cowboys did win a lot. Emphasis on back in the day. <laughs> but you knew that was coming. That's, the Cowboys fans set themselves up for that because it's been you know 20 years until this fashion. It's really 20 years since they were relevant, notwithstanding the year that Tony Romo botched the, the extra point hold. Um, you know, but the, the Cowboys have struggled um, for for decades, and Eagles fans are quick to point it out. Which then you were just retaliating and ask how many trophies are in your trophies? <laughs> exactly paid. right. Yeah, it, it's fun at, to watch. At least go back we, and, we, back we and can forth. go back in the day and think of the good years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, technically the Eagles can too, but it was before the NFL existed. <laughs> so. You know, or I guess I shouldn't say before the NFL existed, before the Super Bowl existed. Um, you know, hey, they can hang their hats on that. Fifty-five years ago, they won an NFL championship, but it well, was there about six teams back then. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "To be fair, winning back in the day is more than the Eagles win." So he's he's on board with you there. He's got you. All right. So I I know you were listening last week and you were disappointed about all the Eagles talk that we did, uh, but. Uh, if there's an opportunity for you to ask something about the NFL or the Cowboys, this is your chance. We ha- I have we have about three minutes, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Well, you know what? I think some of the news you gave me in the NFL this past week uh, should let let the people know that don't know it. I love the ice, high school thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point. I should bring that up, and I'm I'm just gonna pull up the photo and then pull it up and sh- show you guys as well. If you haven't been paying attention. Um, the NFL is really hyping up uh, Super Bowl 50, which is coming up this year. Um, it, well, I should—it's coming up in February, following this season. And uh, the NFL is going all out, and they're doing—they're um, doing, they're doing uh, a lot of stuff with gold. You know, 50 being gold—that everyone hypes up the 50 being gold. So they're doing everything in gold. They're going to paint every 50-yard line in gold or I should say the numbers at the 50 and every stadium is going to be gold. Uh, logos are going to be outlined in gold. There's like, th- there's two other things, but one of them that I want to point out and mention, and I'm going to pull up here on the screen right now uh, is it, it's hard to see. Let's see if I can zoom in at all. Yeah, there we go. Oops. Um, if you're watching on Ustream, I pulled up a photo of it uh, and posted this to the Wilson Bulldogs football Facebook page. But the NFL has decided that leading up to their celebration for Super Bowl 50, which is February 7th, 2016, in Santa Clara, California, that's in Levi Stadium, the new 49ers uh, stadium. Uh, they're going to give every high school a gold football for each alum that's participated in a Super Bowl. 
Uh, why is that awesome? Well, being from Wilson in West Lawn, Pennsylvania, we have two players that played in Super Bowls. Unfortunately, they were on teams that lost, but uh, Kerry Collins, who graduated from Wilson in 1990, he led Wilson to the state title game in 1989. He played for the Giants in Super Bowl 35. He was the starting quarterback, which we uh, were at, which we were at in Tampa, Florida. But they lost to the Ravens in a blowout, unfortunately. Uh, but then um, a few years later, uh, tight end John Gilmore, who also went on to play at Penn State, so did Kerry Collins. Uh, John Gilmore was a uh, Wilson class of '97. Uh, he played for the Chicago Bears when they lost to the Indianapolis uh, in Super Bowl uh, XLI, uh, which was in Miami. So two Wilson, former Wilson and Penn Staters, uh, coincidentally, uh, represented uh, Wilson in the Super Bowl. So Wilson, I think, will get a ball for each player. It'll be all gold, and it'll say Wilson High School. Uh, John Gilmore, Chicago Bears, was part of Super Bowl history, and then it'll have Super Bowl XLI and the NFL Shield. On the other side, it's got a, the Lombardi Trophy with 50 behind it. It says Super Bowl. Um, has we'll have Goodell's signature, and it'll say the Duke, made the Wilson football that is used by the NFL. I just think it's something really cool that the NFL is doing. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. It's an awesome thing to hype it up. They also mentioned that they're going to have um, one of the players, they'd like to reach out to him and have him actually deliver the football. Um, and knowing the history between Kerry and John, my guess is John will do it if asked. Right. Right. So that that but, is definitely something that I think the NFL got right, and I'm looking forward to it happening happening uh, in West Lawn. I think you're going to see a lot. One is because it's the 50th, but they're going to try to put some of this conflict behind them. Yeah. Good so PR. they're going to get people right. The people that get off of that and think of the the 50th Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I do think we have another text here. And I don't think it's sarcasm coming from Justin. So let's see who else is texting. Oh, it's your brother, Rich. Uh-oh. See, listen. He said, uh, <laughs> okay, we're talking about all kinds of hating teams because they're good. So you know where this is going. <laughs> oh, God. He said, let's mention the current winning team to hate, the New England Patriots. And I'll point out, it's fun to hate the Patriots. But I also will let you know, if you recall, that in the Super Bowl, I was rooting for the Patriots. So as much as I love to hate on them, there are times when I put that hate aside and wear their colors. Literally, I had on a hat and a jersey, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, Rich, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I know, and he's mentioned already, that he has extended us an offer to return to their hometown and see their Patriots play. Coincidentally enough, the Jaguars play there this year. And uh, who's on the Jaguars team that we might want to see? Chad. Yeah, so uh, another Wilson grad, uh, Chad Chad Henney, playing for the Jaguars. They're going to uh, f to play at Gillette this year. Um, and if if everything works out in the personal life and the scheduling, uh, maybe we'll get to go back up to New England and see the Patriots play. Uh, if not the Jaguars, maybe another team. But the Jaguars will be a cool one to see. You know, your Uncle Rich is just trying to enjoy this while he can because once Brady's gone, uh, I, think, I think that team is uh, fast to – I think you're – Dolphins could easily pass them. If if one if Brady leaves, they're okay if Belichick stays. If they both leave, that's losing a lot at one time. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure it's probably going to happen in the next – I mean, it could be as little as two years. It might be as much as four years. I, I'm not sure how much more Brady can do. be interesting to see him playing at 40. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I can't see him being the man that he was uh, at 30 – um, when he's 40. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but on the last note, before we sign off here for rich from missing in action, co-host Justin, he says, I hate the Patriots. 
So that that's that's where we're in that there. Um, so I'm I'm glad we got some inter interactivity from the uh, the recovering Justin and your brother Rich in New England. Uh, always fun when we have uh, some banter back and forth. Um, I guess real quickly before we go, I do want to pull up the score, at least the most up-to-date score that I can find without a working TV down here. Um, oh, Duke is pulling away. Duke is up by eight on Gonzaga, 60 to 52 with a minute 23 to play. So barring an incredible miracle, um, it looks like Duke is going to beat Gonzaga and that'll be the third number one seed to make the final four. So we'll have three one seeds and a seven seed. It'll be Duke, Michigan State. The winner will play the winner of Kentucky, Wisconsin in the final. Um, the final four games, I believe, are Saturday. Um, and then the national championship game is a week from tomorrow on, on Monday. Monday right. So Saturday the 4th, the final four games. Monday the 6th, the national championship game. Um, so another exciting year in March Madness, another great year for the one seeds who have been doing much better of late. I know there had been some years where the ones were really struggling, but three number ones again in the final four. Um, and – as soon as that game ends, I'm interested to see how our bracket challenge fares. And we'll, we'll update you on that next week before the games start. Uh, Justin and I, when we do the uh, baseball preview, we'll update the bracket challenge and see where we stand with just uh, three games left to play, the two final four games and then the national title game. So anything else to add, Bill? Yeah, do you know what time you're on next Saturday? Oh, yes. Before we sign off here, we'll do a little bit here at the end. Next next episode, show 170, Justin will be back with me. We're going to do it on Saturday, Saturday, April 4th. Sunday, the 5th being Easter, so we want to spend time with our family, but we don't want to miss a show. So Justin will be joining me here in studio um, to talk baseball. We're going to do our 2015 baseball preview focused primarily on the Phillies, and if we have uh, listeners that want to hear us talk about the Red Sox, I don't think we'll do that for them. So um, we're going to talk uh, Phillies and baseball in general next week with Justin back here. A um, uh, couple birthdays. I know um, Ann Joyce celebrating a birthday today, so happy birthday to her. And I don't have it pulled up in front of me. So if I forget anyone, I'm sorry. Anything else from you, sports-related or not? not Just keep it clean. Of, yeah, yeah. All right. Then that's it. Thanks for joining us. That wraps up the 169th episode of the Joe Mays and JRF Show. We hope you tune in every Sunday evening except next week at 630 for our take on sports. Until next time, I'm Joe Mays, and this is my dad, Bill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show. Don't forget, you can download each episode of the show from the podcast section of the iTunes Store. We'll see you next time, and thanks again for listening.